When I wrote my first book, having an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm able to share my books, fun t-shirts, more, all in my online shop. And it's so easy, all because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. I love how Shopify works. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash for the love, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash for the love now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash for the love. Let's talk lunchtime. Remember the good old days when we weren't afraid of sandwiches? The carb fear is real. You guys. Uh, so many of my friends are watching carbs, but it's tough. I mean, the best things in life have carbs, right? Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. Their breads contain zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and they're even high in fiber. That's not all. The taste and texture are spot on the soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying like a savory breakfast burrito or a mouth-watering cheeseburger. Hero Bread has it figured out. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. So go to hero.co and use code love at checkout. That's love at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. It is Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. We're super excited to continue with our series for the love of women who built it. Um, and we've been talking to some amazing women who have built companies and nonprofits and ministries and spaces that are just fascinating and um, amazing. And so um, as we do on every series, we ask the tribe, um, who is doing something? Who do we need to know that you know that fits this series? And we crowdsource one of our episodes. And so I asked you, who has built something important? And I am thrilled to bring you today's guest from within the tribe. We heard from so many of you that we had to meet Sarah Cunningham, that she needed to be on the show. So we're about to hear about the nonprofit she has built and the mission she has personally taken on, um, essentially to open her arms to bring more love and kindness and goodness to the LGBTQ community. So um, give you a little background on Sarah. In a video she posted online, she says, I'm a mom, I'm a Christian, I have a gay child. And figuring out what that looks like, I got involved in the LGBTQ community. And so as she began to learn more, she's um, obviously horrified by the story she's hearing of kids being kicked out of their homes and out of their churches and the high suicide rate and homelessness amongst gay kids and self-harm and just, just such a mess. And so her initial involvement, and we're going to talk about this, started by wearing a button, a handmade button that said free mom hugs to a gay pride parade in Oklahoma city where she lives. Um, and this is what she said about that. She said, for me, it just represented unconditional love. Everyone needs their mother. Everyone needs the love and understanding of their mother. And so she stood in as a mother giving away free hugs at a pride parade. And this started a whole thing. Um, it turned into, um, this amazing space that she built after finding out that her son was gay. And so we're going to talk to her all about that. And the face group, Facebook group where she found so much love and support, um, with other moms of gay kids and, um, in the LGBTQ community. And so, um, so we're going to hear about, 
uh, how her hugs are breaking down a lot of barriers for families and um, and kids and some of the people she's met along the right along the way. So last year she did a ten city tour, the Moms Hug Free Moms Hug tour um, from Oklahoma City all the way to New York. So it had um, ten different cities, and we're gonna. It's a really I love it. Um, I'm going to talk to her about that extensively. She's doing another one this year. It actually starts May 4th. So we're about a month away from it. And it is another 10 city stop tour. And you're going to want to hear about it because if it's coming to your city, it's something that you might love um, to be involved with. She's also written a book called How We Sleep at Night, um, which is sort of her her mother's memoir. Um, and she's going to walk us through all of this and um, what her own personal story was like, what it was like to find out what was hard, how she experienced rejection and ultimately how she came to be such an amazing advocate um, for this community. So you guys help me welcome Sarah Cunningham to the show. Sarah, I'm so, so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for being on here. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for just the invitation. And uh, to Adrian, I got to give a shout out. She nominated me. Thank you so much, Adrian. You're my favorite person in the whole wide world. I love that. So, mm-hmm. um, as you obviously know, in every series, we crowdsource one episode that fits the the theme. And so, obviously, this series is for the love of women who built it. You know, so I put it out to Adrian and everybody else paying attention. Tell us a woman that we need to know that has built something important, something meaningful, something good, something useful. Um, and um, listen, we had hundreds and hundreds of nominees and all doing amazing things. But Adrian nominated you and it just kept getting liked and liked and liked and pushed back up to the top and pushed back up to the top. And apparently she's not the only one who wants to hear from you because um, so many of my online um, reader said, Oh, yep. We want, we want more, um, of this story. We want to know about free mom hugs. We want to know about Sarah. So here you Ooh, are. So listen, hello. we're going to get in to all of free mom hugs and everything that you do, all your amazing work. But it's interesting because you're literally fresh off the streets from another demonstration, um, in Oklahoma, um, called, you know, Time is now official teacher walkout. This is so crazy because just yesterday I was writing this big online piece in support of the walkout. Did you see that? Yes. I'm so with you on this. I, um, my husband and I went to college in Oklahoma and then our first jobs were in Oklahoma and I taught in Tulsa at Jinx East elementary. I sure do know. I do know. And so I have a deep and abiding love for teachers. And I know they are underpaid and under-resourced and undervalued. So I wonder, I want to start, I just want to start there, first of all, because it was yesterday. Second of all, because you've got a son with a dog in this fight. Um, And so here you are, this mom who like deeply advocates for your kids and what the things that they are fighting for. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your, your son, the teacher and, and, and why you think why you, and you obviously live this way, that the support of a mom is such a big deal in a kid's life, whether they're five or 15 or 30. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, um, we do have we have two boys, Travis and Parker. Travis being our oldest, our firstborn. Um, Travis has always been very independent, very um, reserved. Um, both boys are are just like night and day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, he's very private, and so I don't share a lot. I mean, I'm. Uh, on public on social media, I have no secrets or no filters. But when it comes to right, you know, same. but when it comes to Travis, I'm very careful because he is he is a private person, and um, got it. And I appreciate that about him. And now he's teaching at the same school that he graduated from, and teaching in the very same class that he took Spanish in there. And he's a wonderful teacher. He's uh, got a pulse on the students. Um, he loves. Uh, just everything about being a teacher. It's just definitely what he was created to do. So when this strike, you know, talk or the demonstration talk started brewing, um, he just started, you know, getting kind of stressed about it and things. And and when it came to the teacher's uh, demonstration, I really debated. I almost didn't go. 
because he is so private. And I thought, well, I'm not going to make a social media thing out of it because I would have, you know, been front and center. But so the morning of the demonstration, I said, well, how, how are you doing? Where are you, where are you going to meet at? I mean, what, what are the details? Tell you know, let me know. And he goes, well, we're, we're um, at the Indian statue. Why don't you, where are you? And I said, I'm on my way. <laughs> so I yeah, took that as an invitation. I did. Yeah. And um, uh, so that's what I did. I stood there with him. And it was a wonderful experience. Uh, just profound. I think, you know, being part of a demonstration, um, especially of that magnitude, it's just sending a message loud and clear, not only to my child, um, but, you know, to the community, to our community, to, to our uh, mm -hmm. legislators. And yeah, I just love it. I love everything about a demonstration. I believe firmly in a peaceful protest. I do too. And it's interesting because, uh, that has, I, that was never a part of my life growing up. That's just not, I don't know. We just, we just didn't do that or I didn't see that. I, I'm not we even sure. question authority. It's like, yeah, maybe that was part of it too. I was a status quoer, I guess. And so, um, demonstrations and marches have deeply been a part of our adult life. So it's been a part of our kids' lives as long as they can remember. And you're right. They are so, uh, they make me cry every time. Um, because there's just something so visually and emotionally powerful about it's camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. It's just arm in arm with so many of your neighbors and fellow citizens and friends. It's so peaceful. It's so beautiful. And, um, and I think it matters. I think it, I think you're right. I think it sends exactly the kind of message that we're looking to send. And I love that you were marching. I, you were marching. I was writing on the internet in, on your behalf, <laughs> on your behalf. So thank you. Thank you. I gave the briefest overview of free mom hugs at the top of the show, um, during the intro, oh, but I wonder if you could, um, take me and the listeners backwards all the way back to the beginning, um, of free mom hugs and how and why it got started. If you wouldn't mind sort of rolling out the story for us a little bit. All right. Well, it wasn't, um, such a long time ago. Um, our youngest son, Parker, um, he spent his whole life coming out to us. But when mm. he turned 21, he said, Mom, I met someone and I really need you to be okay about it. Mm. And that's the day that he faced his biggest fear. And that's me. And that's wow. the day that I had to face reality that my son is gay. Yes. And we raised our children in the church. We spent 20 years serving uh, in a local church here, serving our community, doing wonderful things inside, outside of the church. And um, when our son came out, we just experienced alienation and separation. Some of it was self-induced, some of it not. And uh, we can talk about that later. But as far as getting me from point A to point B, I call it a journey that took me from the church to the pride parade without losing our faith. Hmm. And, uh, you know, right. So um, the journey did take us from the church to the pride parade. And um, it is 2015 is when we went hmm. to the Great. Okay. Okay. And uh, I stood on the corner mm -hmm. with my son and uh, my husband, and it was a pivotal moment mm -hmm. for me. And in fact, in my book, How We Sleep at Night, the last chapter was inspired by that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where it all began. I got, uh, I met and was introduced to a beautiful, spirit-filled community that um, on a on a strip in our city, not too far from where we live. It, uh, you know, our gay district here is 39th Street. It used to with here, if you're familiar with that. And it's a place that I would beg my son not to go to when he became of age to go. I said, Parker, please don't go there. I knew that there was a hate crime waiting to happen or an orgy. I mean, that's where I was literally mm -hmm. in my thought process. Yeah, it's one of those two things. Yeah. But that day, oh my, my eyes were just open. It was like the scales were removed and, um, it was a beautiful, pivotal, profound moment in my life. And so the next year I made a homemade button uh, and I wrote in chicken scratch, free mom hugs, and I pinned it to my dress and I went down to the pride festival and I stood there and simply offered free mom hugs. And by the end of the first day, I was covered from head to toe with glitter. And it was again, just a beautiful, profound moment. I heard stories of, of great grief and separation and, you know, and, and, you know, the stats, the homeless right here, the the suicide rate, the sex trafficking rate, the self-harm, all this. And I was just devastated by hearing that. And I thought, you know, we got to have this conversation. So um, 
uh, a few moms and I, we, we got, uh, I'm connected with moms in the national group, but we also have local groups. We call them mama bears of Oklahoma. It's always a network of yeah. women, isn't it? I just feel like every good thing I've ever been connected yeah. to, I've ever been led by, inspired by, it just feels like it's yes. always the women. Yes. There they are doing the work. I love everything about this. I want to go back, if you don't mind, and sort of pick up a few threads that you laid down in your story and, and talk about them a little bit more. Um, I uh, I know, and you mentioned it, that faith is important to you. So if you could even sort of come underneath the space with us. Um, did you ever, did you ever ask hard questions, um, that, that might've flown in the face of what you had been, um, taught versus the work that you do now? Um, did you ever think something about, something about the way the church is handling the LGBTQ community feels wrong? Or did that, sort of sleepily lie dormant in your life until it was sort of presented to you in your own family? Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, my husband and I, we grew up, um, his parents were Catholic, but not practicing. And, and I, we didn't grow up. Yes, we grew up in a conservative area. We live in Oklahoma city. Uh, but my, my mother was a single mother. My father passed when five children, uh, when we were young and really we didn't go to church unless the church bus ran by. We really didn't get plugged into church as adults um, until our oldest child, Travis was invited to go to, you know, something at the local church. And then he just started going to be with his friends. And then, you know, then we got plugged in and I, I jumped in with both feet. I, I loved, loved the, the, the scripture, the fellowship, the prayer, the worship. I mean, I, I was in it to win it, you know, it's like, I, I, yeah. If I met people, I'd say, Hey, someone needs you here and you need someone here. So get here in here, this place. Mm -hmm. Love it. So when Parker, uh, but we didn't have, it was not an affirming church, but I will say, I would like to say and stress this, that I didn't even know the difference between affirming or non-affirming. It was like a whole other language to me. It's like, what in the world is that? Now I know, and now I know the importance of it. So, but we didn't have same-sex couples. We didn't have same-sex marriages, certainly. Uh, no one ever talked about. We talked about love says wait, lust says now, the promise ring. Kind of just that purity culture, yeah. Purity culture, yes. Purity movement. Definitely that. And I preached it. I helped with the youth. I certainly was a voice to that movement as well. So as far as when Parker came out to us, um, I would, you know, when he did, I would just share with our, our peers, uh, women that had, you know, long, long standing relationships with. And at the time, then it was devastating. Uh, you know, when you hear the words, love the sinner, hate the sin. Um, and Parker's just been turned over to a depraved mind. Uh, you know, all the, and things that I think they, I don't know if they were saying what they thought I expected to hear or needed to hear, or I don't know, but at the time it was devastating. But now looking back at that time, they just didn't know what to do with us. They didn't know how to minister to us. We'd gone through funerals and birthdays and children being born. But when this was something new that no one ever talked about, and the more I tried to talk about it, it was like, it seemed like it was just devastating. It was the most difficult thing I've gone through as a woman of faith. As a mother, I was devastated. Well, let me ask you this, um, going back to that season. Um, so uh, did you know that Parker was gay before he told you he was gay? Did you suspect it? Well, yes. Um, there were, there were moments definitely, but I was more so in denial because uh -huh. we both prayed that gay away. Like I'm talking. Mm, oh, he did too. Oh yeah. Because, oh, uh, and we, sad. we like, we, I remember when he was at school, I would pray over his room. I would just pray over his bed. I'd burn the incense. Yeah. I was desperate for some bolt of lightning to, you know, we were in church. He never argued about going to church. He never, he loved, you know, the people there he was plugged in. But when he came out, it just, he just withdrew. Uh, it didn't take long for him to withdraw. 
And then I felt like I had to choose between, you know, our, our child or my faith. Yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, was called upon less and less. I withdrew from the women's group and the Bible study and all the rest. And it just, ugh, ugh. where did you go? What did you do? I, uh, I know that at the time you weren't, you weren't able to find many resources, um, in terms of, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian mom. My son is gay. What do I do? Where did you go? Who gave you some answers? Who gave you some help? Where did you finally find some compassion? Um, and I'm wondering if you and your husband were on the same page or did that sort of come later? Yeah, well, actually, um, when Parker finally did come out, or when I finally opened, you know, was the reality check there, um, my husband said, how could you not know, Sarah? Everyone who knows Parker knows that he was gay. But I didn't, I didn't have any, I thought I was pretty open-minded until it was our son. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and then, but I didn't know where to look. I, and it seemed like I looked online for some resources, but I found links to like more of a conversion therapy type. And by then you were hearing horror stories about that. So, but I really didn't know where to look and where I really found what I call in my book, glimmers of hope. Uh, there were, there were a few people in my life who were either linked to the church in some way, or in fact, one dear friend, Kathy, I write about her in the book. She, uh, is a professing, um, atheist. But she uh, accepted my son in ways. I had people accepting my son when I really didn't know if I wanted to or how to. And that's really embarrassing to admit. But Mm. that's how much of a bubble I was in. Totally. Well, and and, and you're right. That is when you are inside that, um, that space, well, heck, I mean, you didn't have language for it, Mm -mm. much less any tools to begin navigating relationally and, um, to give him some, I mean, you really were, you were pretty alone. You, you have your circles, you know, when you spend 20 years in a church, that's all you you that's your that's your social structure that's your culture that's your people and i didn't know anyone plugged into 39th street our gay district here i didn't i didn't i thought i was the only one in the world with a gay son <laughs> you know I, that's really how it felt and i just feel so ignorant about it now but oh my goodness it's it's true that's really how i felt i was the only one in the world navigating. I bet you felt, I mean, it must've been so lonely. I, um, I, I wonder if, um, if you can talk about how your, your church and your community reacted to you and to your son and, um, and, and how did they initially respond? Um, well, I had a few women, close friends in the church, and um, they would sympathize with me and, and, of course, pray for my family. But it just, like I said, Jen, they just didn't know what to do with us. And it just was awkward. It was painfully awkward mm-hmm. to where I just ultimately just alienated and separated myself. I, I didn't feel safe. It wasn't a safe place to talk about it. But, again, I don't want to just point the finger here. It's just I really do believe they didn't know what to do with us. So, well, it gives it gives us a lot of compassion um, and understanding for why uh, the gay community at large is 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 leaving the church it, because it's it's what you just said it's just not safe and you know if I was sitting in church constantly worried that the theological shoe is going to drop from the pulpit and I'm going to be sitting there like a, with a spotlight on my head I wouldn't go. I just wouldn't, I mean, so, you know, there's one thing to say, everybody is welcome, but to your earlier point, now that you know what affirming and non-affirming means, it's another thing to mean it. It's another thing for that to be true and real and unconditional. And, um, and, and, and I think this matters. I, I'm so happy that we're having this conversation because you, it's so important. It's so necessary. Um, you know, you, you, you just sort of touched on it earlier, but, um, the, the data and the statistics out of the LGBTQ community, it's devastating. I mean, it's just, it's just devastating. It is. It really, really is. And we have to care. 
We just have to care. We don't, this is not an opt out. We don't get to just say, well, this is messy and confusing and I don't know what to do with it. Um, I, I think all that is true. And it's just so important that we, that we enter into this community with such grace and love and compassion. Um, I, I, I've, you talked about it. You mentioned, um, sort of your, your, your Facebook group, um, that it has been, it turned out, believe it or not, to be a lifeline. The internet can sometimes be amazing. Um, because, you know, not only were there people like you, you found out, Hey, I'm not the only mom with a gay kid. I didn't know. Um, but it was somewhere where you could safely have open dialogue about well everything, everything that you were walking through. Can you tell us a little bit about that group, what it offered you then, what it offers now? Yes, I'm thrilled to share this with you because it's like gold, okay? It's priceless. It's a resource that is sacred. And um, when I, I wrote the book, How We Sleep at Night, about our journey, because again, I thought I was the only woman in the world with a gay son, woman of faith with a gay son. So I just started writing about my, my, our journey. And I'm not kidding you, Jen, almost to the day when the book itself published book, when the book was published and put onto Amazon, almost to the day I found the private online Facebook group of moms with LGBTQ kids. I read an article about Linda Mueller Robertson. Uh, She and her husband had one child. Uh, who is was gay. Uh, he got caught up in drugs. Anyway, I found their story on a newspaper and what caught national attention are the comments. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it just because he breathes? Yes. Was that the story? Yes. yes. I, 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 when I read it, I had to go into the bathroom and yes. sob. And I found that article and I reached out to her just like a mother. I had no idea about the group. And so I reached out to her somehow that I guess they had an email or something. I reached out to her and I just sent her an email saying, I'm so sorry. I'm a mother too. I have a gay son and oh, my heart just broke for her. And she goes, you know, we visited for a while and she goes, would you like to be a part of this group? And I said, hell yes. So, um, there were 250 moms in that group at that time. And this is late, this is late 2014. And there were 250 moms. That group grew so big and so fast. And you, ha- you have to know someone to add it in. Like, I have to know you have a gay child. Hey, uh-huh. I know a place. Yeah. And right. So you can keep it safe. And I right. remember one of the first days I was in that group. First of all, I thought I was the only one. Suddenly I'm with 250 moms. Our, cho- mm-hmm. Our children may vary on the spectrum, but we all have the same story. And uh, I had been in the group for just a little while. And one of the mothers posted, I just you know, I just found out, I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to breathe. And you know how comments will just mat like a magnet. They just, all these moms, 250 moms just bolt on that comment. And one of the mothers said, then don't you let us breathe and you let us pray for you. Oh, I could cry my eyes I out. Know, I know. I was gushers over here, but every day, every, every journey was like that. So it grew so fast and so big that um, the group split up into three different groups. I stayed in one because that's where my relationships are. And we're over 2,500 moms now. And we have moms who are just finding out. We have moms who are losing their lunch. We have moms who are starting to have the conversation, figuring out that language. And we have moms who are going around with a free mom hugs banner across the country. Uh, oh, it's so dear. That, that piece of community is so important. Um, and that support, even just having somebody ahead of you go, you're going to make it, your kid's going to make it. He's going to be wonderful. He's going to more than make it. He's going to flourish. He's going to be loved. To find out that we're not alone. And you know, our children feel the same way when they find their tribe. Of course they They do. Hey, I'm not the only, you know, homosexual in Oklahoma no. city. I'm not <laughs> right. surprise. Um, I just, I think that is so wonderful. I'm so grateful for women oh. who just know how to come together and know how to love each other well and hold space or probably every kind of emotion in there. It, oh my gosh. Yes. And, and that's what makes it a, such a safe and sacred space because you can share your fears. Your children don't need to hear 
how you're fearing that they're going to, you know, be treated equally at their workplace or beaten and left for dead on a fence post. You know, you right. train, you they, know. they can't bear our emotional but Along weight. with that, we also celebrate, we celebrate, we share pictures where a lot, and that's why it's private. And I want to stress that because not all families are out. You know what I'm sure. saying? Of course. We have people who lose jobs, who will lose oh, their husbands course. if they're affirming, who yes. lose everything. I mean, I was devastated. It pales in comparison what we've been through as a family. Pales. And I met Linda Mueller Robertson at a conference, and you talk about having to go into the bathroom and cry. I met her face to face, and I knew that we were both at that conference, and I knew what it cost her. And I knew that I still had my child and I practically dragged her in the bathroom at that conference. And I bawled like a, like an ugly cry. And she, she yes, thought I was a crazy woman, but I mean, that's how, how big this is. It sure is. So I, I love, um, the <laughs> image of you at that very first pride parade covered in glitter. I can just imagine that having, you there must have been really healing for a lot of the LGBTQ community that day. And uh, because the truth is um, so many of those young adults and kids, well, frankly, older adults for that matter, they, they lost the love of their parents um, when they came out. And so having a mom there, having the love of a mom, any mom, like with their arms wide open, giving just such affirmation and comfort and love to the community. It's so powerful. Um, you do have a special story about um, a girl named Mary, and I wondered if you would tell us about her a little bit. I would love to. Um, first of all, Mary uh, is an older woman who I met when we first joined the church that we were alienated and separated from. We worked in the cafeteria, in the kitchen together. We served meals at Falls Creek. You know, you get the idea. We had a very dear relationship inside the church, but I didn't know her family very well. But she knew mine because we were plugged into the church. Sure. So um, when Mary, uh, when when we left the church, I'm not kidding you, true story. I would see Mary at our local Walmart. Mm. And... Um, and she'd always ask about the family, but she would always ask about Parker. Okay. And I didn't even think about it at the time, but you know, that's the way our conversation went. She goes, Hey, Sarah, how's the family? How's Parker? Hmm. You know, it was like that. I'm not kidding. Yeah. So, so after we cut, we're cut, we're devastated. We're like licking our wounds from the church. I see her at the local Walmart. She goes, Sarah, where you been? How's the family? How's Parker? I just in on the frozen food aisle gushers. Okay. Yeah. You know, and she tried to sympathize with me and it was awkward and, you know, she pats me on the back and says, Oh, we hugged. And I said, look, I'm going to be okay. But you know, Parker, he's gay. And I'm just, Oh, you know, it was, de- it was horrible. So we, um, we get through that. And then I'm not kidding you like six months, maybe, you know, or so later I see her at the same Walmart and she goes, Hey Sarah, how are you doing? How's Parker? Parker right. And I say, Mary, you know, I think we're going to be okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting educated. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think we're going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to write a book about this. And she goes, Oh, great. Well, let me know when you finish that book. I want to read it. So I knew where she lived. I had her phone number. So when the book was finished, you know, several months later, I called her some Mary got the book arranged to take it to her the next morning. I meet her on her front porch. She opens the door. I hand her the book. She starts crying. I said, Mary, Mary, what's the matter with you? And she said, Oh, Sarah, I'm just so glad. I can't believe you. You know, she's holding the book and she's caressing it. And it's like, Mary, we're fine. We're fine. Look, we're good. And she goes, no, Sarah, you don't understand. I have a gay son. Uh, and I said, Mary, why didn't you tell me that we could have yeah. been helping each other out? We could have been blessing each other and walking yes. out together. I just was shocked. Yeah. And yeah. she goes, no, you don't understand. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about it. We don't celebrate holidays. We don't celebrate as partner of over 30 years. Oh, and I oh said, my. Mary, it's all right to accept your son. And she said, no, Sarah, you don't understand. You're the second person I've told. <sighs> wow. And, all that time. Yeah. And she was like in her seventies. That makes me so sad. I was 
just blown away by this. And that's when I thought we have got to have this conversation. Yeah. We got to do better yeah, than that. She they've, a- lost a, they've lost half a life. Uh, I guess. Yes. So I am dying to know what happened. Did she reach out to her son and did they, yes, did they fact, kind of reconcile? Years, years later, I went to an affirming church. <gasps> he was at the church. I, I never met him before. Never. He was at an affirming church where I was speaking at. Yeah. And he uh, came up to me after, you know, the thing. And um, he goes, I know you. And he said the church that we went to. And anyway, he, yeah. And he said, you know, my mom's okay. We have a great relationship. And, you know, but it was just very private. She couldn't celebrate him is what I'm saying. No, no. You know what? I mean, if think about how, difficult a road it was for you to navigate and how hard it was for you to find an entry point. And that was in 2014. Yeah. Can you imagine her like oh, 40 years ago? I know. I mean, and she's really talk about no resources. It's, there's oh. just been, we've come a long way in a short amount of time. And I just find myself sitting here so grateful for the gay community and the people that love them and their families, that this is not such a taboo, difficult subject anymore. And that the church is finding the courage to face it with grace and with, with love and honesty. And I'm just, uh, I'm so overwhelmed for for men and women like her son who had to go so long last year when, um, so when my husband and I Mm. said in a public way, obviously that we were affirming and that we had really deeply and for a prolonged amount of time examined our theology and our, our doctrines and scriptures. And, um, and this is just literally where God led our hearts. Um, it was such a lonely it was such a lonely time. And I, I'm laughing at you when you say, I thought I was the only um, Christian woman who had a gay kid. I felt like I was the only Christian leader who was affirming. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's not true. It's not at all true. It's not even close to true, but that's how it felt for a minute Mm -hmm. For just a minute. I felt alone in the world, but your, your group, your Facebook group, um, when everybody else was rushing away, they were rushing in and it felt like, um, CPR. It felt like CPR to find all these women who were just, uh, I didn't even have, I didn't even know how to. Are you crying right now? It's just so, yes. It's so, (laughs) I'm crying. So uh, it's hard to explain what it's like to have a group of women love you. Yes. Love you in this, not, not in spite of it, not in a condescending way, but but in it and through it and holding your hand and saying, you're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. And I, it was just a really, nobody else was saying that to me and I'll never forget it. I mean, I will just, I will never forget how deeply I needed to be loved. Um, in that moment and in that way. And you and your women were a bit of a lifeline for me. And I want to thank you for it. Hey guys, quick break from the show. I'm super excited to tell you about our sponsor for the Women Who Built It series. So many thanks goes to none other than a company I love, Ever Eve. Co-founded by Megan Tamty, who's also the co-CEO of the company. She was a guest on our podcast just a few months ago. So I'll tell you, for me personally, Evereve has been a game changer for my personal style. I know a lot of you can probably relate. Just between the craziness of schedules in life, like career and kids and social obligations, I wasn't giving much time to my wardrobe. And also, I'm not that great at it. I need help in that department. And so as a result... I wasn't feeling really good about what I was wearing or how it was fitting or anything. So that is where Evereve came in. They gave me a ton of encouragement, um, not only to embrace some different looks that pushed me a little bit, um, but also to work with clothes that complement my body um, and sort of my style. Uh, Evereve, you guys, has over 85 stores coast to coast. A a super great website, um, and a personal styling box service called Trendsend, which for those of us non-shoppers comes right to your doorstep. <laughs> so listen, everybody is different. 
But I know for me, having some help in the fashion department gave me a little extra shot of confidence. So you guys, you can check them all out at evereve.com. And once again, Evereve, thank you for sponsoring this amazing series. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about the free mom hugs tour because I mean, you're just, you're just going for it, lady. Like you're just, (laughs) I'm old. I mean, I do, I, it's like, I'm going to have grandchildren soon. So I'm doing everything I possibly can right now. Um, last year you went on the road you went on a free mom hug tour, 10 different cities. Um, can you tell a little bit about it? Because I think there's two parts to them that are both really important and really special. And I'm wondering, first of all, how did you get this to come together in the Bible belt of all places? How did you get people to come to it? Um, and to listen to what you had to say and, and what's your assessment of it having it in the rearview mirror now? Okay. Um, first of all, there was a time when I felt like if I really believe that Parker's going to hell for being gay, then I need to stand up and fight for him. Like my hair is on fire. Okay. And since I got educated and I realized that the only choice is to remain in fear and ignorance of what it means to be gay, I'm fighting for my son and those, um, on that spectrum, like my hair is on fire and I really will have grandchildren someday. Park, uh, Travis is engaged now. And I'm, so I really am, uh, doing everything that I wish someone would have done when I was going through it. We offer, uh, resources to churches, colleges, anyone who will take them because I think, look, we're not trying to change your doctrine. We just, you know, this is a resource. I wish I would, what I would have done to have had, to see no crazy lady walking around with a free mom hugs banner, what I would have done to have seen that. So really I'm just doing everything that I think I wish I would have seen or had privy to. So about the, the tour, um, it was, uh, well, the year after I stood with the homemade button at that pride, the next pride parade, I made a free mom hugs banner and we walked with it. Some moms and I walked with it in the parade and we had people coming out of the crowd to get hugs it, it had more social media hits than the concert. And I'm not saying that to boast. I'm just saying that's how much of a, uh, a need it is. So um, after the election, I just heard great fear and anxiety from the group, from our community. And in fact, the day of the election, I went down to our strip. Some moms and I met down there and we just offered free mom hugs. That's all we did. And we stood on a street corner in front of Expressions Community Center at 39th and Penn. And we had cars lining up. We had kids pulling over, families getting out. It's like, okay, now what do we do? So I laid in bed that night and I thought, Lord, I just prayed, what can I do? Like, it's all up to me, right? I said, look, you know, when you're in bed at night, that's why the title of my title of my book is how we sleep at night, but this is how I sleep at night. I, you, you solve all the world's problems. You pray, you thank, you give thanks and you, you know, you just work it all out. So I thought, Lord, what can I do? And I really heard a voice in my head say, well, you got that banner. And I was going to walk that banner to Washington, DC. Like I was going to forest gump it there. Sure. I posted in the Facebook, in the Facebook, in the private group. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about taking this banner to Washington, DC. And, you know, everybody was in favor, you know, just they was, the crowd went wild. Yeah. So anyway, um, we got to brain, I got to brainstorming and a very dear friend of mine, Laura Beth Taylor, and uh, she and I got to brainstorming. She reached out to me once she saw the post about me walking that banner. She goes, you know, I used to travel. I used to work with groups who traveled and I used to make a living doing that. Let me see if we can get together. So anyway, she didn't live too far away. She lived from Texas in Texas at the time. And she, um, and we had met before, you know, we were great friends. We just connected right away. And we thought, you know, rather than make a political statement out of this, we need to make it a humanitarian effort because we have moms on both sides. You know, we really do. So we decided that we would take the banner, the free mom hugs banner from Oklahoma city where I live and we'd leave 39th Street because I want to put 39th Street on the map. I think if that was celebrated as an important part of our history and our future, the ripple effect of that in our city and state would be profound. Um, I'm talking glitter rainbow crosswalks, you know, rainbow bridge right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we have it here in Austin too, obviously. Right. I want that here. Yep. I need to talk to those planners and get them up to light the fire here. So we devised a, a journey that would take us from Oklahoma City, 39th Street, to the Stonewall Inn in okay. New York City. Wow. Ten, ten city stops along the way during... Yep. During the day, we had a luncheon where moms along the way helped us. Um, okay. They uh, they invited their friends, their peers, their you know, alleged, their civic and faith leaders. Say, hey, you know, this free mom hugs. They're coming to town. Would uh-huh. you consider having lunch with them? Okay. And um, it was very successful. We had luncheons during the day where we had conversations with civic faith and business leaders, Great. and we just shared our stories. So, so we're not trying to change your dial. We're not trying to change your doctrine. Uh, we're just saying this is happening. This is happening where you live. This is happening with the laws you're passing. This is happening in your churches. Um, and you know, we didn't, we shared our story. Yeah. So interesting. Were people really um, gracious? Were they generous with your stories? Yes. I mean, anyone, I would think they would be anyone who was there was invited by someone who really valued them, who really had a connection. People are, are ready to have this conversation because they know, everyone knows someone now who's gay. Oh, of course. You know what? We just need to get in rooms together. Like that's the magic of what you did. That's a really simple model. That's not fancy. That didn't require a ton. But being in the room together and saying, okay, tell me more about your story. Let me, let me listen to understand. Let me listen to develop compassion. It's not small. That's not small work. It matters. And, and I think just simply being our exposure to one another, um, to one another's children, to one another's experiences and stories, it's so moving and it, it's very healing. It's very conciliatory. I think it brings us together. And, you know, there's one thing to, to consider the, the LGBTQ community on paper or from a distance or at as an issue, um, or even as legislation, but it's another thing to be in the room with them, um, to be in the room with their moms, um, and their dads and their siblings and, 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 and to look them in the eye. And there's something very human, um, about that, that I think that can go where nothing else can go. And so I find your approach here to be incredibly wise and effective. So you have these conversations during the day. Um, and then in the evening you would have a, like a, a rally. Well, um, in sorts, we, uh, I think, um, well, we had two portions. One was let's talk and in the latter was let's walk and let's talk being the luncheon conversations. And those, those were happening. Uh, we'd have box lunches brought into a library where, you know, the room would be mostly educators or, you know, sprinkled with parents and, and faith leaders, or we'd met at a local, uh, just whatever was neutral ground. It wasn't a bar and it wasn't a church. And then the walk part. Yeah, the walk part, um, we would uh, make an event. Moms who were in the area were welcome to join us at both uh, the luncheon, Let's Walk in the Let's Talk. And we'd find the gay district or uh, a gay bar, and we would just go in there with our free mom hugs button. And, you know, we the, the secret to approaching, and we need to be sure and mention this, is that when, if you're going to offer free mom hugs, because I'm not the only one. I might be the face of it here right now, but I'm hoping moms will just catch on and make their own banner and do their own thing in their own cities. That's the goal. Yes. And they don't have to have my permission to do that, by the way. Yeah. So you just put on a free mom hugs button and carry that banner. And you say, can I offer you a free mom hug or a high five? Because not everybody's a hugger. That's true. And, um, you just make a connection and you, and I'll say something affirming, like, I'm so glad we're here. Are you doing okay? And, um, I, I very rarely have been, you know, turned away. There was one young man who said, who said, no, I no thank you. Right. At the beginning. And I just let that go. And I just kind of make my way through the crowd. And do you know what? He came back to says, can I have that hug now? He made sure I was a safe person, you know? Did he? Yeah. <laughs> so precious. Tell us, um, tell us what you have planned for this year's tour. It begins on May 4th, right? Yes, ma'am. May 4th. Okay. And then? Uh, mm-hmm. The goal was to start always from Oklahoma City and then go to um, an historical side of sorts for, that's important to the LGBTQ, LGBTQ uh, community. And so the first being... Stonewall Inn. And I do want to add that we were the first group to be awarded a permit to exercise our First Amendment right on those grounds. We had moms there. Oh, we wow. served lunch or, you know, we had food there. 
and uh, the Stonewall Inn, and it was wonderful. Um, hmm. So this year, uh, we're going to the Matthew Shepard Memorial in Laramie, Wyoming. Yes. And to yeah. me, uh, it's important because, again, having a gay son, that was my worst nightmare. Matthew Shepard's story. Of course. So we're going to go to his memorial and just honor him and, uh, of course, his family and spend some time at the memorial there. So that's in Laramie. We'll be there. But we've got uh, 10 city stops from Oklahoma City around to Laramie and then back down through Boulder, Colorado. And I'll post the, or I hope you'll post the sites there. If we have any moms who want to participate and be a part yep. of that, we would certainly welcome that. And dads are welcome too. You can't imagine what a banner going down a pride parade path with dads in that behind that banner. Mm. Oh my gosh. Powerful. Yes. yes. We'll for sure post your schedule and your tour. I know that we'll have um, some moms and dads and family members who are going to want to see you when you come to their town. I read that you have a goal of giving 10,000 hugs away during that tour. Is that right? It's a lot of hugs. It'll happen. I believe you. I believe you. The other thing I wanted you to mention, um, you're being included as part of a documentary that's really interesting. And um, it, it, it's a filmmaker, Duresha. Yes. Yes. Hi. Yes. It's been following your journey, the journey of other moms like you who are advocating for their kids and other LGBTQ kids um, and people in general um, and this movement. So the documentary is called Mama Bears, right? Off of mm-hmm. your sort of um, moniker there. So I've seen the preview. It's very tender. It's it's very eye-opening. Um, there's one story in particular, um, a, a clip of a transgender young man named Sid. That's a little bit heart-wrenching. Can you talk about that for just a second? Yes. Uh, we met, uh, Duracia got, uh, found out about the project, and she contacted us through Liz Dyer. Uh, Liz is a facilitator, founder of the Free Mom Hugs group. I'm just part of the group. It's not my group, although I will claim it, but it's not literally my group. But, um, but I'm definitely a part of it. Uh, they found out about it, and they contacted me and said, hey, we want to follow you on this tour. So they met up with us in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh was the only place really where we didn't really have a luncheon planned. We didn't have a, a gay district that we were visiting. We were just kind of at a loss because when I did a search trying to find something in that area, uh, a homeless shelter kept pop- popping up. So I thought, well, okay, God, that's where we're going. So, and that's where I thought, well, what could, they want to hear our stories. They don't need resources. I mean, you know, they do, but you know what I mean? It's like, what could we possibly bring to this group? And, uh, it was a, a homeless shelter for adults. And, uh, so we made a meal. We just spent, it was a day before mother's day. We went there and we didn't publicize it because again, it is a homeless shelter and they're at risk and, um, just a beautiful community there. And so we made uh, chicken and dumplings for them. And, uh, the film crew was there from mama bears. And it, it, I mean, they, it was just like a, kids coming home for college. I mean, we were cooking in the kitchen. We had kids helping in the kitchen. I say kids, but these are young adults. And uh, while others were dancing and listening to, you know, hip hop music in the living room where they're having so much fun, he's like, why? I don't want to be cooking. I want to go out there and dance. And, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, um, it was heartbreaking. I, I, and again, the only thing that allowed me to leave that homeless shelter without just ripping my heart out is because they had each other. They didn't have enough silverware or plates to go around, but you know what? They, they would say, you know what? Let's save Johnny a plate. Let's save, you know, Tammy a plate. And they would wash it and save it for the next guy. And uh, it was just, it was Mm. just. Mm -mm. And that's where you met Sid. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, his story it will break any mom's heart um, because, you know, his mother obviously said she'd um, rather see him dead um, than living as a male. And yeah, she planned a funeral. She, yeah, she planned a funeral and and invited her family to mourn the loss of her child. And I just, something just cracked inside of me. And, and so I wonder how you on the road and in your work and online, all the ways that you connect with people, how do you support and counsel other moms or other families who are deeply struggling with their 
their loved ones, their beloved person coming out, um, or how they choose to identify themselves. How do you, how do you guide them toward acceptance and unconditional love, especially at the beginning? In the beginning, I try to be very, you know, sensitive. I, I used to say, you know, this is a sensitive subject, you know, and, but now it's like, no, it doesn't have to be. We've made it that way. It doesn't have to be a sensitive subject. It's one that needs to be had. I encourage parents to first and foremost, make their homes a safe place. You know, again, their children shouldn't have to check themselves at the door uh, to just um, have that conversation. And if you don't know what to say, just figure it out. I mean, get educated. So make your home a safe place, get educated. There's too much information out there now to not have a better understanding. And um, to celebrate your child, because if you don't, you're going to regret it. You'll regret it. You will regret it. And to, to know the difference between affirming and non-affirming, and the way I explain that, is an affirming church will celebrate the spiritual gifts of your child, and the, you know, uh, will celebrate the spiritual gifts and recognize same-sex marriage as holy. That's affirming, plain and simple. They'll celebrate your spiritual gifts, and they consider your marriage just as holy as you know, the straight couple and non-affirming is you're welcome, but you know that, I mean, they'll, they'll limit you in the nursery or rare things like that. I always say that, well, this is, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry in advance for this, but that a not, that a non-affirming church is, and um, we will take your tithe money, but you cannot serve in any other capacity. So yeah, right. Write us your check. It's an ongoing conversation in the mom's group. Even today, it's like, why would you put your tithe and your time and your energy into a place that's not going to celebrate your child? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? This is how I think about it a lot too. You know, we've got an affirming church, my uh, husband mm-hmm. and I here in Austin. I visit. And it's very, very dear. And I think about our, uh, our gay couples and singles that come to church. And I, I think in the same way that, you know, well, it's heck now in some cases, but certainly 50 years ago at, in mass, that women were not deeply invited into the work of the church in terms of leading and teaching and authority and like the full usage of their gifts. You know, their gifts were uh, relegated to a very small category of, of maternally kind of gifts. But, uh, and, and the truth is the church suffered for it. I mean, the the church was, was the biggest loser in that, in that game because so many gifts were left on the table. You know, we were just not operating at capacity when women were unable um, to preach and teach and lead as the, as God has gifted them. And I think about the gay community the same way. I mean, the church is the biggest loser here because they're just as deeply gifted as anybody. Um, and so when they're not welcome to serve, and to lead and to teach and all the fabulous ways that they've also been spiritually gifted, uh, where it's actually, uh, the rest of us that, that miss out. So it's just, it matters. And, um, I, I think there's just sort of this flourishing that happens when everybody in the church is invited, um, to the table in their, in their highest capacity, in the fullness of their humanity and their gifts. And it is really something beautiful to behold, yeah. really something. Yeah. And I, I did say before, like it's ongoing conversation, like why would you put your tithe and your time and your energy into, you know, a place that's not affirming, but some people are called there. Some people stay there and they serve beautifully. They know, you know what I mean? It's like, so I don't, I have to be careful because I, we have in Oklahoma city that I know of, there may be more, but I personally have been to, I know that my child's going to be safe and celebrated there. Three fully affirming churches. And those I recommend there's probably others. I hope there's others, but those are three that personally know, so I can recommend those three. The affirming churches have a lot of work to do, but it's beautiful and it needs to be done and it's happening. And I like to think of this as the rapture is like when, when love just explodes, like, you know, I'm, I always thought, man, I'm rapture ready. I was ready. I was looking to the clouds, girl. I was like so ready. (laughs) But now it's like, this is an explosion of love to where you just get so full and full that we are just going to burst into spontaneous You know, what's really compelling to watch too. And, um, I think Liz and I actually, uh, sort of arced along a similar theological structure, Mm -hmm. um, as we sort of sought this all out, but is to watch the, um, to use a new Testament term, the fruit of the affirming church is so beautiful. She does. She says, you'll know them by their fruit. 
you will know that it's just abundant. Mm-hmm. Just to watch the gay community flourish, it's the opposite um, of what we've been watching in in terms of so much um, self-harm and rejection and depression and suicide. Um, So to watch them come to life in an affirming spiritual environment is, I mean, it's an explosion of love indeed. It's really beautiful. It's really, really wonderful. And I want to thank you for your work here. I want to thank you for facing your own fears and your own um, understanding, your own knowledge, um, and doing the work, the hard work that it required and the losses that came with it. I see that. I see that. And I know those had a cost. I'm no stranger to that. I really, I deeply um, acknowledge the cost. But what a champion you are for your son and all the sons and all the daughters and all the Parkers. And, um, I'm just, I'm so glad to know that you are out there making this world brighter and shinier and kinder for the next generation. I believe in your work and I am really, really proud of you. So let me ask you one last question as we close it up here. This is something we ask every guest on the podcast. And it's um, originally posed by Barbara Brown Taylor. I don't know if you read her, but you would love her. Um, And so she asks this question, and it can be anything at all, literally big, small, important, not important. Um, But the question is, what is saving your life right now? Adrian, tell me you always end your podcast with, so I was ready, okay? And even if I wasn't, this is what I would answer. I'm convinced, but it's hope. It's hope. Hope never disappoints. And I found a... Um, a poem by, uh, and you're going to scream at me, Maya Angelou. Oh, yes. Did I say that name right? It's yeah, you said here. it perfectly. I love her. She's amused. Well, I second guess myself every time I say that. But um, I found a quote of hers, and if it's okay, you know, maybe you use it. I don't know. But it says, love, rec- love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles. It leaps fences. It penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Maybe you heard it before, but I I hadn't seen it before. I found it last year and I carried it around in my wallet. I love it. It's like a perfect descriptor of, of your work, honestly. Aww. Just like literally leaping hurdles and breaking down walls. And I mean, it, it's not easy work. Um, but it's wonderful work. And when I think about all the people who have felt loved and seen and affirmed on the other side of your hugs and your advocacy, it's, it's a, it's a marvel. I mean, really just a marvel. I'm proud of you and I'm proud of the way you're using your life and your influence. And, um, so will you tell everybody, I bet we have a lot of listeners who want to know more. Um, the truth is there's, I bet that we have a ton of listeners who have a gay kid and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go and nobody knows, or they're at odds or they just feel alone. And I want them to know that they are not. So I wonder if you could just wrap it up here by telling us um, where to find you, um, what website to go to, where to find out more about the tour, just everything um, for next steps for anybody who wants one. For parents with LGBTQ kids, make your home a safe place. Find the resources there outdoor out there and get plugged into a support group. Surround yourself with people who will love and encourage you and your child family. And if you don't have people who do that, then you find them. And we'll post a link to the Facebook page. It's Serendipity Duda and uh, Liz D-Y-E-R five five at gmail.com. Perfect. And listen, listeners, I'm going to have all this on my website. So if you don't, if you don't have a pen handy, um, if you couldn't say that into your voice memo, we'll have literally all these links like in one spot for you on the website. Absolutely. Positively. Yeah. Thank you. And then do you know what the website name is for the tour for the free mom hugs tour? Yeah. Um, we, if they can just follow the free mom hugs, Facebook page, perfect. Everything will be on there. Everything. That's perfect. It starts in a month and it's going to be amazing. And I just, I would love to see all of the civic and faith leaders in those cities come out 
that's the conversation I love right there. I think it's so powerful. And so you can count on me to like bang the drum for it. I promise. Yes. Uh, just thank you so much for being on today, Sarah. I, I am so, so grateful. So guys, we will have all of this on my website at jenhatmaker.com under the transcript page under the podcast. And you can find Sarah and her, her merry band of moms and all the amazing work they do and all her resources. Thanks again for being on. Thank you. Love it. I basically want Sarah to be my mom. <laughs> no offense, Jana. I love you too, Jana King. You're my real mom. But um, uh, that's a really powerful story. Powerful to hear about her work. And I'm just reminded how much things that are good and important are also not easy. And they just never are. They really never are that it requires a lot of energy and a lot of courage. And I'm so grateful for how many people have been loved well um, and given even given permission to love well um, from, from Sarah, from the um, Free Mom Hugs group, from other moms and advocates like her. So um, obviously, I think she's great. And I would love for you to know more if, if you would like to hear more about her story or latch onto a lot of the resources that she has. Um, uh, like I said, it'll all be over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab. We've got a huge transcript over there, which is built out with, we'll put up that picture she mentioned covered in glitter, plus other pics and bonus content, all the links and everything you've ever wanted. So head over there if that is something that you are interested sit in. Um, and thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for opening your arms to so many different kinds of stories on this podcast to so many different kinds of guests, um, and their experiences. This is just, this space feels very sacred to me and safe and wonderful. And, um, for so many reasons, we have our listeners to thank for that. So thank you for nominating Sarah for bringing her to my attention. Um, I am, I can always count on you. You guys are the best. Um, so subscribe if you haven't already. We've got a new episode for you every single week and we love it and we work hard on them and we are, it is our joy to bring you just amazing guest after guest. So um, thanks for being here, you guys, and I'll see you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.